What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Today we are going to continue our discussion about Pope St. John the 23rd. And one of the things that I forgot to mention in the first show is that his name, his name was Angelo Roncalli until he was elected Pope. So we've got, you know, Father Angelo or Father Roncalli and then with his different titles but that was his given name. So we saw before that he had had many assignments in different foreign countries. He had to go to Bulgaria, to Turkey and Greece, to France and back to Venice, all over a 30 year period. He had all these assignments uh, away from his family and away from home. And one of the reasons why they did send him away so often was because if something seemed impossible as far as being able to negotiate or get along with people. He was like a bridge builder and a master at it. And do you know what he accredits to his success? Well, it's his guardian angel. He would always have these big important meetings with some of the toughest people, you know, you'd say that's a tough nut to crack, you know, to get through to or to make a good relationship with. And they'd always send him. So he, in turn, would send his guardian angel before any important gatherings or meetings. He'd send his guardian angel to go orchestrate with the guardian angels of all the people that he would be encountering. And so he accredited much of his success to this preparatory work of his guardian angel. And he was, you know, and then of course there was Francis de Sales and Therese of Lisieux were his favorite saints. So he was really relying heavily on the unseen world, the communion of saints, to help him in his mission on earth. And we should do the same. It's a good example. I'm going to quote him from his diary. In 1925, in preparation for his Episcopal consecration, he said this, quote, This is terrifying to me. So he's getting ready to be, you know, consecrated an archbishop. This is terrifying to me, for I feel and know myself to be very helpless and incapable, exclamation point, he writes. Another reason for remaining humble, very humble, another exclamation point. The world has no longer any fascination for me. So remember I said in his diary you would read how he grew? Well, at this point, he's saying the world has no longer any fascination for me. I want to be all and holy for God penetrated with his light, shining with love for God and the souls of men. I shall often read again chapter 9, book 3 of The Imitation of Christ, which says that all things are to be referred to God as their final end. This has impressed me most profoundly in the solitude of these days. Indeed, in these very words, there is really everything." Unquote. So that's a, that's a telling quote about uh, about him it is and I I had just read in this book called spiritual warfare one of the things that the author 
recommends highly that we do is that to think only of pleasing God, that every action should be only about pleasing God and never self-directed. And that if we could do that, if we could think about always pleasing God, that he's the, he's our end, we would do really well. We would avoid a lot of pitfalls from Satan's traps, etc. It's very similar to this. He says from the imitation of Christ, all things are to be referred to God as their final end. So everything in light of how does this please God? Is this part of his plan? Is this, this is also, it reminds me of St. Ignatius's first principles and foundations of the Jesuits. And since it's so similar, I'm just going to read it to you because it's, it's an amazing thing. It helps us really see clearly, like Imitation of Christ helped Angelo Roncalli, later Pope John the 20, 23rd. The first principle and foundation of the Jesuits, man is created to praise, reverence, and service God, and by this means to save his soul. And all other things on the face of the earth are created for man to help him in attaining the end for which he was created. Hence, man is to make use of them as far as they help him in attainment of this end. And he must rid himself of them in as far as they prove a hindrance for them. Therefore, we must make ourselves indifferent to all created things as far as we are allowed free choice and not under any prohibition. Consequently, as far as we are concerned, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honor to dishonor, a long life to a short life. The same holds for all other things. Our one desire and choice should be what is most conducive to the end for which we were created. That's very similar language and goal of having a prism or a filter to see life through. Get rid of what doesn't get you there and keep what does. And Angelo Roncalli did that. And so he went on a retreat in preparation for this consecration to Archbishop. And he wrote, now forever, I assume also the name of Joseph. So he took Joseph as his, a name here. Oh, this is so amazing because we're in the year of St. Joseph. And he did add St. Joseph to one of the Eucharistic prayers in our church. And then Pope Francis added him to the rest of them. So let me read this to you. Now forever, I assume also the name of Joseph, one of the names given to me at my baptism in honor of the dear patriarch who will always be my chief protector after Jesus and Mary and my model. My dear special protectors will be St. Francis Xavier, St. Charles, St. Francis de Sales, the patrons of Rome and Bergama and blessed Gregory Bargio. And I insert in my coat of arms the words obedience and peace. I mean, it's a Latin. I'm not going to read it for you, but it means obedience and peace. So, so he's getting ready for this consecration as archbishop, and he's getting a team, a spiritual team, his saints together uh, to help him in this, in this way. During World War II, he became very active. Now, I will tell you that, that Hitler and the Nazis thought him kind of a bumbling guy. They didn't think much of him. He was Archbishop Roncalli, but they just didn't, they didn't think he was much of a threat. And he allowed himself to be perceived incorrectly in order that he could do great work to save people's lives. So exciting. One of the things that Archbishop Roncalli did was encourage King Boris of Bulgaria towards holiness, regardless of the deadly risk. I'm going to quote Patricia Treese regarding uh, John the 23rd. Thousands of Slovakians got transit visas for Palestine. 
Perhaps this good deed waited in the eternal balance when the king mysteriously died, like a saint, as Queen Giovanna wrote Roncalli in 1943, almost certainly himself a war victim. So he's consulting, you know, this, this King Boris, he's consulting Archbishop Roncalli, and the Archbishop is encouraging him towards holiness and saving these people to get them out of the country safely and to Palestine. And there's a lot of undercover covert things going on. And Roncalli is really involved in all of it. He's very much involved in all of it. And King Boris ends up dying mysteriously. And the queen is like, you know, they poisoned him. They really did. She knew that they did. Angelo Roncalli was also able to reroute a ship to safety, which was to deliver, to deliver thousands of Jewish children into the hands of the Nazis. He was able to get help from unlikely sources, some who were, were Nazis themselves or, you know, dangerously undercover as a Nazi. Like they didn't agree with what Hitler was doing. So they learned who they could rely on and who they could trust. Angelo Roncalli, he was seen as this naive bishop, but he was involved with rescuing many. And this boat load, ship load of children is one of them. He got them to safety. He helped Jews get out of Hungary. He helped them get out of Romania by issuing certificates of immigration. He just put up this facade of being naive and that's what the Germans thought of him. And he went about doing very important work to save them. In 1945, he was named Papal Nuncio in Paris. And it's interesting because the one thing I haven't shared too much with you is that he had this sense of humor. People loved him. He was well loved. And so one of the sayings was to know him is to love him. But when he was named the nuncio in Paris as archbishop, he had this to say, when horses are lacking, the, doc the donkeys trot along. In other words, he's calling himself a donkey like they couldn't get somebody better than me, but you know, I'll do it. And so of course this meant dinner parties and things like this where you had to meet with dignitaries. There's a story that he was at a fancy dinner and there was a woman seated next to him and she had a prominent place and she was scantily dressed. And you know, you've seen it before, like <laughs> you see it at events, at Catholic events, even fundraisers and things. When women get dressed up, sometimes they think if they show more, they're dressed up more. I don't know what the deal is. But anyway, this woman, you know, she had the plunging neckline and, and all the rest of it. And so they're sitting next to each other and he just, there's a, a bowl of fruit on the table. And so he takes an apple out of the bowl and he just puts it in front of her and doesn't say a word. And so she asks him, you know, Archbishop Roncalli, why did you put this? apple in front of me. I, I didn't want an apple. And he said, when Eve took a bite of the apple, she realized she was naked. Isn't that, that's such a quick wit. So fun, but he was kind that he, he had a way of softening it and laughing, laughing it up. And then later when he was elected Pope, there was nothing that he wouldn't do. He would go to the prisons and, and be among the the, the prisoners there. He was just such a good man and very, very humble. However, 
there's more to say that's quite important. We're not done. So we'll go to part three and I will bring that to you next week. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Pray with me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Omdurko, produced at the studios of Matriday Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit matridayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org.